The Falcons rookie class is off to a good start in training camp. How good? Well, in a word, sensational. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, welcome back to this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And, of course, you know me as your very humble host, Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew. And before we get into today's Locked On Falcons, I want to give a special shout out to the everydayers that make this illustrious podcast their first listen or watch each and every day follow in their footsteps by subscribing or following for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today we are talking on the Falcons first day off of camp on Sunday, uh, July 30th. They've had four days of practice. They'll get into their padded practices on Monday. As many of you are listening or watching this episode. And let's sort of talk a little bit about this rookie class that has seemingly come to play so far in camp, getting a lot of praise from a lot of observers. Unfortunately, we won't spend too much time talking about seventh round picks, DeMarco Hellams and, and Javon Gwynn. Uh, not to say that they haven't stood out, but uh, we'll probably get more into those guys as we get closer to the preseason games. But let's talk about the other four picks from this 2023 draft class that have stood out so far. And, you know, normally on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about B. John Robinson, and we won't do that on today's episode, right? I think later this week, we might talk a little bit more about B. John Robinson because I recently saw another sort of fantasy projection of Bijan leading the NFL in rushing in the last couple of weeks on this podcast when I've seen some of these um, very lofty uh, projections, statistical projections for Bijan as a runner. I've kind of poured cold water on them the last uh, couple of weeks on the podcast. And instead of doing that again, uh, I do want to sort of take the other side of the argument and maybe say, hey, you know, maybe could Bijan could lead the NFL in rushing. And the reason why I've been pouring cold water on it is mostly because of the expectations that I have that Bijan and Tyler Roger will split snaps and split carries and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, what about in a world could Bijan put up that type of production if he even in a world where he does split snaps? So that may be a topic potentially on tomorrow's episode that we'll dive deeper in. So we'll probably give that the 10 to 15 minutes that I think it deserves uh, on that episode. But We've so far seen Bijan impressing as a pass catcher in practices. That may be another topic that we explore further uh, as the week unfolds. But let's move towards second round draft pick Matthew Bergeron, who uh, is starting to get starting reps in the first team. Now, unfortunately, uh, it isn't necessarily due to Bergeron playing well. It's due to Matt Hennessy being injured on Friday. Hennessy did exit practice with a leg injury. Uh, Arthur Smith told us that that was related to the knee issue that he had late last season that caused him to miss several games in the second half of the season. But we did get an update on Saturday that, you know, he got good news from the MRI. So Hennessy should be back sooner versus later. But in the meantime, you know, Bergeron's been getting those starting snaps at the left guard position. We know that going into training camp, that was going to be a key position battle, one of the few starting position battles that we had going into the summer. And at least based off of Arthur Smith's post-practice comments, you know, Bergeron handled himself well, earned some praise from the coach, uh, which is not something that he gives out lightly. We'll talk about that more with Clark Phillips a little bit later. But, you know, when Monday kicks off with the Pratted practices, you know, as Jarvis Davis 
uh, our guest on Friday's episode said last week, you know, that will be an opportunity where Bergeron's sort of physicality and toughness uh, may get to to be pushed to the foray. And one of the reasons why the Falcons uh, coveted him so much in that competition. So we'll see, you know, what Hennessy status is, you know, what time he returns to practice. Is it later this week? Is it later in the, in the summer? But it's good to hear that Bergeron at least isn't floundering getting those first team reps. And that's going to be a key part of the evaluation in terms of who's going to win that left guard competition. It's not just sort of the physical things that we're going to see in the padded practices from Bergeron this week, but you know, also the mental reps, like how is he coming to prepare? Is he, you know, doing all the details that he needs to do to show that he's ready for potentially that starting opportunity? Because we know that one of the biggest issues for rookies, you know, is not just the sort of physical, um, you know, hurdles that they have to overcome making that jump from college to the pro game, but also the mental hurdles. And and so that's going to be a key party evaluation. That's something that we don't necessarily always get, you know, from tweets and, and video clips, you know, coming out of training camp. So that would be a key part of the evaluation for Matthew Bergeron. Moving on to Zach Harrison, our guy Kevin Knight over at the Falcoholic, as well as various other folks have been talking about Harrison has looked good in camp. He's flashed several times. He's gotten several sacks in some of these team sessions. And some of you might be confused, like sacks in, in practice. I thought they weren't allowed to touch the quarterback. And it's like it's simulated sacks. It's basically they don't blow the play dead. And the, the pass rusher, you know, doesn't touch the quarterback or runs past the quarterback. But in a actual game where they're not necessarily pulling up, they would call that a sack. But they let the play run out so that they can evaluate the quarterback and the receiver and the, and the DBs on the play as well, in addition to the pass rusher on that rep. So it's good to hear that Harrison is, is putting in that work. Haven't heard the specifics of how he's winning in practice, but I'm optimistic that, you know, Ryan Nielsen got into his ear, as we said, after the draft and basically say, Hey man, you, you know, this finesse game that you tried to do at Ohio State didn't work. It just use your God given length and power to just dominate dudes. And apparently that is something that Harrison has done a number of times in these first couple of days of training camp. But on the flip side of that, it does make me wonder a little bit about the Falcons' tackle depth, right? That's a, a major area of concern that we had going into training camp was the that swing tackle position where the Falcons have very little experience at that spot. And, you know, we talked in the past at the beginning of June about, like, you know, keeping an eye on the Miami situation. And I've, I've been doing that, but we'll get into that more probably next week uh, when the Falcons travel to Miami for those joint practices and maybe a couple of Dolphin players that we have our eyes on uh, in that practice that could potentially be that um, swing tackle for the Falcons this upcoming season. But it kind of reminds me of uh, the uh, famous tweet of, like, I feel bad for our country, but it's tremendous content. Like, that's how I feel with Zach Harrison beating these tackles. I like, I feel bad for the backup tackles, but you know, this is tremendous for, for Zach Harrison. So that's good to hear. We got one more rookie. I do want to talk about fourth round cornerback Clark Phillips, as well as get that update on Calais Campbell's timeline to return from that non-football injury list. And we'll get into all of that guys. As we continue today's locked on Falcons. And as these rookies take their first swings at standing out in an NFL training camp, you can take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball over at FanDuel, and you'll get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. If you bet $20, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. And that's a good thing because I know the Braves haven't been as good at coming out of the all-star break, but maybe they're getting things back on track and you can feel good about betting on the Braves and betting on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus when you win, you get paid instantly. Who doesn't want to get money in their pocket 
right now. So there's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And sign up today by visiting FanDuel.com slash locked on and you'll get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official uh, partner of Major League Baseball. So continuing today's Locked on Falcons, let's talk a little bit more about one more rookie in this 2023 draft class that has stood out in training camp. And, and this guy is seemingly making all those idiotic podcasters out there that were talking about, oh, Clark Phillips, you know, I think he probably should have gone in the fourth round and, and wasn't one of the big steals. All those idiotic podcasters that were saying that nonsense uh, this summer, earlier this summer, and you guys know who those people are, but we're not going to say any names here on this podcast because we don't do that here on this podcast. But any anybody out there that may do a daily podcast talking about Clark Phillips shouldn't have gone in the in the first two rounds of the draft. Uh, he's making those people look real stupid right now uh, based off of how he's played in the early goings, breaking up a ton of passes in not only team sessions, but one-on-one sessions. You see, I'm sure you've seen the clips floating out there with him locking down Drake London and Josh Ali. So it's good to see him off to a good start in training camp. Now, Arthur Smith did kind of throw cold water on the, on the Clark Phillips hype train a little bit by, you know, knocking him, calling him out for apparently, I think he was, he made a play in practice and it didn't get back to the huddle fast enough because he was like waving to the crowd or celebrating to the crowd. And Arthur Smith was like, you know, T'Challa is like, we don't do that here, you know? So that's one thing Clark Phillips has to, has to clean up. But other than that, like great start for Clark Phillips and making the conversation around that nickel cornerback spot. One of the other, the, the other, in addition to the left guard position, sole starting spot, up for grabs entering training camp, you know, maybe that's going to be a real competition. Now, as we talked about on Friday with Jarvis Davis, you know, by all accounts and, and Alfred's had a, a strong start, this training camp has a great off season. It seems like it's D Alfred's job to lose. Uh, and, but we'll see if, you know, Clark Phillips can keep stacking good days uh, and not getting in Arthur Smith's doghouse uh, and, you know, close that gap between him and D Alfred for that starting nickel cornerback spot. And I think certainly if, 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 Clark Phillips can uh, continue this going into some of these preseason games. That will be a big feather in his cap. And maybe later this summer, we'll get him. Uh, we'll get to see him get reps with the the number ones. Uh, and that may not even necessarily be due to like, you know, Alfred losing ground or losing his grip on the starting spot, but it may just be another evaluation tool for this coaching staff to sort of just see, you know, can Clark Phillips handle, you know, this starting opportunity and we'll get some practice dates similar to kind of how they're evaluating Bergeron this week when he gets those starting opportunities and some of the sort of mental aspects of that. If he's locked in and dialed in when he's getting those opportunities and that will be a, a big part of the conversation. So we might be talking a little bit more earnestly about this competition as we head into the regular season. So we'll see if Clark Phillips can continue to make all those idiotic podcasters continue to look like idiots uh, as we continue today's episode, but that's it for the draft class. Let's talk a little bit about the injury update that I did not get to on Friday's episode with Jarvis Davis, you know how Jarvis and I get, we start talking about facial hair and the thing goes off the tracks, but we did get an update on Thursday about Calais Campbell. Arthur Smith basically said, we'll have a better idea of Campbell's status. Ask me in 10 days. Right. And so 10 days from this past Thursday would be next Monday, right? The, the day that the Falcons are traveling to Miami for those joint practices, which I think the first one is Tuesday. Um, and so whether it's before that trip or during that trip or after that trip around that time next week, we should have uh, more, you know, an update on sort of Campbell's timeline for return uh, at this point in time. And 
you know, all all indications from Arthur Smith and, and various other reports indicate that this is a minor injury issue that landed Campbell on the non-football injury list to start training camp and it's not going to jeopardize his potential to be ready for week one. And, you know, of course, Campbell's been in the league for 15 years. We know when he's healthy and ready to play, he'll be ready to play. So we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but it's just one of those things where it's like, generally speaking, I, I feel like Arthur Smith has been pretty accurate on saying like, oh, when a player is on track to play week one, they are on track to play week one. Uh, maybe Isaiah Oliver is the one exception last summer where like he was kind of, you know, wound up going back, coming off of the injury list for the preseason finale and going back on IR. I can't remember if Arthur Smith was like, he's on track for week one and maybe he walked that back a little bit as we got in training again, but I'd have to go back and look, but you know, outside of that, you know, pretty confident that Arthur Smith is not blowing smoke up our butt when it comes to that, but you know, we'll see where Campbell's status is, you know, a week from today. Uh, and if we get some updates next week down in Miami or, or, or thereafter, uh, but you know, I'm not worried about it now. Now, two weeks from now, if we haven't gotten any more clarity on that timeline and Arthur Smith is still saying like, he's still on track, but he still hasn't practiced. Then I'll be like, not necessarily worried about it, but it would just be like, how minor is this minor issue? If you know, he winds up missing like four weeks of training camp, right? Like that will be my concern. But until we get there, we will cross that bridge. If we get to it, it doesn't sound like we're going to get to it. So we'll see how that goes, but nothing else other than the Hennessy injury in terms of major injury updates, we've seen some veteran rest days so far. You know, we've seen some players get some personal days, including one player that will continue to get personal days. And that is of course, Eddie Goldman, who will not be returning for the Atlanta Falcons this season. And we'll talk about who the Falcons brought in in Justin jelly Ellis to replace him as well as the edge rusher that so many people have been clamoring for the Falcons to upgrade their pass rush. And funnily enough in Kamoko to the player that they signed, they might've landed one of the NFL's best pass rushers. So we'll break that down as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons. So wrapping up today's Locked On Falcons, as I said earlier, we'll probably talk a little bit more about Bijan Robinson on tomorrow's episode and, of course, give you any updates on, you know, the standouts in that first private practice on Monday. Uh, again, do what the everydayers do. Shout out to them. Follow on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. But wrapping up today's Lockdown Falcons, Eddie Goldman is once again gone from the Atlanta Falcons. He will not be suiting up for the Falcons and seemingly is stepping away permanently from football. But we'll, time will tell on that. The Falcons did put him on the reserve left squad list uh, on Saturday. And that reminds me, like my mind goes back. I'm sure there have been other examples in the years since, but my mind goes back to like Nathan Davis. I, I want to say it was Nathan Davis, the Falcons like second round pick in 97 who I want to say like in his second training camp just like didn't show up and they found him at a Waffle House or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I, I remember it was it was some bizarre story, but I couldn't Googling it before recording this episode. I couldn't get all the find the old articles that like broke it all down. But anyway, uh, that's where immediately where my thought mind went when I saw that reserve left squad. And I'm sure some of you older of our fans are like Nathan Davis, man. That's a, that's a name I haven't heard in 25 years. And like, yeah, I haven't thought about Nathan Davis in like 20 years. So um, anyway, Eddie Goldman's, you know, not going to play for the Falcons this year. We wish him the best in his post-playing career. He was a heck of a football player at Florida State, heck of a football player in Chicago. We wanted to see him continue to be a heck of a football player in Atlanta, but alas, that will not be the case. For those of you that miss the entire Eddie Goldman saga or just need the, the Cliff Notes version, he was a former bear picked by Ryan Pace, uh, now the Falcons' uh, shadow general manager here in Atlanta. 
very good in Chicago for several years. Then COVID hit. He sat out that year in 2020, came back with the Bears. 2021 was a little less effective, and the expectations was after that season he would retire from football, but he did not. In last July, uh, he did sign with the Falcons. Then 12 days later, wound up retiring. Falcons put him on the reserve retire list, decided this past March, hey, want to give it one last go, reach out to the Falcons. The Falcons were like, why not? We're not going to complain about having good players on our defensive line. Um, but, you know, once again, the Georgia Heat uh, has has uh, proved to be, you know, father time and the Georgia Heat are, you know, undefeatable uh, in, in times of history. That Georgia Heat seemingly hits a little bit different than that Illinois Heat that Eddie Goldman's uh, used to when it comes to trading camp. I'm joking, of course, but, um, you know, well, you know, I, obviously Eddie Goldman's been contemplating his NFL career, but that Georgia Heat is kind of the thing that will push you over the edge. But um, we wish Eddie the best. No, no grudges here. Uh, you know, I've I've seen one fan on Twitter that seems to have a real bug up their butt about Eddie Goldman having the audacity to not want to play for his favorite football team. And it's just like, okay, guy, like relax, take it easy. But um, the Falcons did bring in a replacement for Eddie Goldman and Justin Ellis, a veteran player, massive human being like 6'2", 330-plus pounds, originally a fourth-round pick for the Raiders back in 2017. Spent several years with the Raiders under Jack Del Rio, was kind of a starter role player for them. Lost his job when John Gruden took over due to an injury. Uh, then spent the three years, 2019 through 2021, with the Ravens, basically serving as a backup to Brandon Williams uh, as that nose tackle. And that's kind of what Ellis is potentially going to provide. That's what he's been throughout his career. He's more of a rotational piece even when he has started games, he's going to be a space eater, that sort of wide body that can occupy blockers, keep those linebackers clean. He's not going to make a ton of disruptive plays. Uh, you know, he's not going to really add much as a pass rusher. He's not even going to make that many tackles and, and whatnot, but he can eat space. And that was kind of what we were hoping from Eddie Goldman this year. Now, we know Eddie Goldman in his prime was a far more disruptive player, could bring value on passing downs, you know, not just can't not won't just won't hold the point of attack, but also can penetrate and be disruptive and make plays. But that was the old Eddie Goldman. And we were hoping that even in a diminished form coming back from, you know, his frequent absences over the last couple of years, he could just be at the very least sort of a space eater to keep, you know, Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata and those guys fresh on passing downs. And that's potentially what Justin Ellis can certainly provide a similar sort of skill set at this point in time. Uh, But I do think, this does open the door for one of these other back-end D tackles, a Carlos Davis, a Timmy Horn, Albert Huggins, LaCale London, that were kind of on the outside looking in in the presence of an Eddie Goldman because I can't remember if I said it on this podcast or some other somebody else said it on another podcast I was on. But basically someone said, like, if Eddie Goldman is committed and shows up to camp, it would be hard-pressed for any of those guys to beat him in a, in a straight-up competition. But I think Justin Ellis, because he's not quite the player, at least that Eddie Goldman was, you know, a few years ago, you know, there's room for Davis and Horn and, and those guys to potentially beat Ellis. So he's not necessarily a lock to make the roster, but certainly that veteran status does give him a leg up uh, in that competition. Now, another addition the Falcons made on Saturday was signing edge rusher Kamoko Ture. He's replacing Dorian Etheridge, who we thought was in the mix for one of those back-end roster spots at the inside linebacker position, but that's not the case anymore due to Etheridge's release. Ture is a pass rusher. The Falcons tried to sign Ture last offseason in March, right, in free agency. He was one of those late March visits alongside Rashawn Evans and Demir Bird, who did wind up signing with the Falcons, but Ture wound up going to San Francisco. He hardly played last year. 
Um, even though there were frequent injuries on the 49ers defensive line that gave him some opportunities in the first half of the season to play. Um, but, you know, with Teray's background, second round pick for the Colts in 2018, had a very productive rookie season, four sacks, 13 QB hits, 38 pressures, primarily as a third down specialist situational pass rusher. But then sort of things got off the tracks in Indianapolis over the next three years, kind of mired by injuries, especially those next two years where he suffered an an ankle injury in 2019, missed half of that year, missed a large chunk of the 2020 season, recovering from that ankle injury, didn't come back in, in 2021, missed some time due to a nagging growing injury, but did kind of bounce back with a productive year, five and a half sacks. That was third on the Colts team, despite the fact that Teray was seventh on the team in um, snaps uh, as a pass rusher. And that brings up what I teased earlier, where Teray's been very productive, even though he hasn't gotten a ton of work in the NFL. Like on a snap by snap basis, he like measures out as one of like the NFL's elite pass rushers, right? In 2019, the year he, initially hurt his ankle he was third in pff's pass rush grade behind only tj watt and miles garrett and in fact like his overall career pressure rate therese that is is better than miles garrett's overall career pressure rate like therese is 13.5 percent of his snaps he gets pressure on miles garrett is 13 percent right you look at therese career like 875 uh, snaps that he's had across his NFL career. That's comparable to like the 860 snaps or 850 snaps that Khalil Mack had last year with the Chargers. But Mack had eight sacks and 56 pressures on those like 800 some odd snaps. And you look at Therese's career totals and he's got 12 sacks and 88 pressures. And there's only like 11 guys in the NFL last year that had 12 or more sacks. And only two of those guys had 88 or more pressures. That was Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons, who both had 90 pressures. And those were the two top vote getters in defensive player of the year. So it kind of tells you how effective Tere has been when he's gotten opportunities to be on the field. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy and be on the field. Now, despite all that praise and those accolades, you know, Tere is by no means a lock to make the roster, right? The Falcons have already plenty of bodies at that edge rusher position, but Ture is a player that I think is worth kicking the tires on. Like when we talk about, you know, reclamation projects, right? And you guys know, longtime listeners know, like I'm not generally a fan of these. This is one of those reclamation projects to me that makes a lot more sense because like you have a player that has proven that he can play at a reasonably high level in the NFL. Just circumstances have kind of conspired to not necessarily give him the opportunities. And in the case of Teray, it's been a lot of injuries and stuff. And so that's what, when, when I see people say like, this is a low risk, high reward, like this is legitimately a low risk, high reward. Too often, I think people use that when they're talking about guys that were early round picks, but when they've actually played on the field, like they haven't really done anything. So it's like, there is no high reward. You're just basing that entirely off of their draft status. Right. Um, but as I said, with Teray, he's clearly been very productive when he's played, but he's no, by no means a lock to make the roster, but I think it's worth the Falcons kicking the tires on him. And, and if he does come to play and looks like that player that we've seen flashes of that highly productive pass rusher, he can be a, an effective piece in the Falcons rotation give them another body at that situational pass rusher role because we we talked with Jarvis about you know, sort of who's their foursome is going to be. We think it's going to be Ebiketti and Campbell and, and Jarrett and Anyamata as their main, uh, you know, four-man pass rush with a heavy dose of, you know, Dupree and, and, and Caden Ellis and whatnot. But having another guy that has specialized and been very productive as a situational pass rusher 
certainly makes a, a lot of sense, especially in lieu of, you know, maybe now the Falcons realize with Calais Campbell and his status, like, okay, maybe we're going to have to be a little bit more careful managing and keeping him on a pitch count, uh, you know, moving forward this season. So having another body there, but the thing uh, with Ture is the thing that's going to hurt him is he doesn't have a ton of experience on special teams. Right. And so basically if he's not going to be a guy that the team is going to count on, contributing as a regular in their defensive line rotation. So if he's not going to be one of those top five or six guys in the rotation, there isn't really a ton of reason to play him on Sundays, you know, if he's not going to contribute on special teams. So that's going to potentially hurt him. But Teray has been a, a player. The Falcons have clearly had their eye on. He's a, been a player that I've sort of watched from afar from a little bit because the various people I know that cover the Colts over the last couple of years for the last several years have been, you know, that he was in Indianapolis were like, he, this is going to be his breakout year. And he never did. Right. He's got good speed, not necessarily the bendiest guy, but a very good technician with his hands using some of those chop moves and cross chops and all that stuff. So he's more of an Arnold Ebiketti style rusher than he is a Bud Dupree or Lorenzo Carter style rusher. Ebiketti's more of that technician type of guy. Dupree and Carter tend to win with their physical tools, mainly their power, their effort, those types of things. So we'll see if Komoko Ture can break into this, you know, maybe this, I don't know if this is the type of move that John Chuckery, our, our good buddy uh, at hitting hard on, on the Locked on Sports Atlanta uh, podcast feed, was pushing for the Falcons. I think he was probably looking for maybe more of a known name player like a Jadavion Clowney, a Justin Houston, a Yannick Ngakwe. But, you know, as he often says on, on the podcast and has been saying for several months on hitting hard, you know, you can never have enough pass rushers. So from that point of perspective, if we get the best of Kamoko Ture, you know, this could be a potentially, you know, big move for the Falcons. Now, uh, speaking of Ture's inability to play on special teams, the Falcons did add another body on Sunday. Uh, that will contribute on special teams and has potentially or could contribute on special teams, I should say, if he makes a team. As running back uh, Godwin Igwe Buke, he's been kind of bouncing around the NFL the past several years. Um, uh, originally an undrafted free agent out of Northwestern. And what's interesting about him, he came into the league in 2018, uh, bounced around the NFL a little bit, practice squads, XFL for a little bit in 2020. But what's notable about him was he was a college safety. And then in 2021, after the XFL season, joined the Lions in 2021, and they moved him to running back. So he was kind of like the OG Avery Williams, right, uh, where Avery Williams came into was primarily a cornerback in college, came into the NFL for one year as a, as a corner. Then the Falcons moved him to running back in 2022. Um, you know, Igwe Buke was a running back in high school uh, in addition to playing safety. So interesting story and background for him. You know, the last two years, 2021, he was with the Lions. Last year, he was with the Seahawks. Been primarily a kick returner for both of those teams. Didn't get a lot of work on offense uh, in those years. So you would assume that he's being brought in as another body at the running back position where the Falcons potentially need another guy with Avery Williams being hurt, Caleb Huntley uh, also being hurt and, and released earlier in camp. And the expectation that when we get to the preseason, you know, Cordero Patterson is not going to play much in the preseason. And you you also imagine Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson aren't going to get a ton of work in the preseason. So you don't want to just basically have Carlos Washington taking all the running back snaps. So getting another body in the building uh, made a ton of sense for the Falcons just to you know fill out those second halves of, of those preseason games at the very least uh, in the coming weeks. But, you know, he does bring some juice at the running back position. Only a 21 career carries in his NFL career, 122 yards. Uh, he did have a 42-yard touchdown with the Lions. Uh, in 2021, 
uh, going up against the Steelers. So um, can bring a little bit more juice at that running back position. We know the Falcons don't lack juice due to the presence of players like Bijan and, and CP and whatnot. But, you know, traditionally Arthur Smith has gone for the more of the big bruisers, uh, you know, the last couple of years. Uh, and so bringing in sort of a, a medium sized running back that has, you know, some speed four four speed and, and whatnot uh, is sort of a different wrinkle. So we'll see what Igwe Buke will wind up doing as I'm recording this. It hasn't been officially announced who the Falcons cut in order to make way, uh, you know, maybe through the power of editing. So through the power of editing, learned that the Igwe Buke signing was not officially made on Sunday. It'll be official on Monday. So then the Falcons will make a roster move ahead of Monday's practice. So we'll find out who the Falcons cut to bring in the running back uh, on tomorrow's episode. We'll see. But uh, that is it, guys. <laughs> um, you know, for us on today's episode, tomorrow we'll probably take a deeper look into Bijan, what he's offering in the passing game, you know, the potential ceiling he could offer as a runner, even with limited carries, could he realistically lead the NFL in rushing? It's possible, right? But he would have to have kind of a historic season uh, in that regard uh, in terms of like yards per carry. So that will be something that we potentially will get into further on tomorrow's episode, as well as reacting to, you know, the big takeaways from the first padded practice for the Atlanta Falcons. So continue to make us your first listen here on this illustrious podcast. And also go check out, you know, John Chuckery's reaction to the Kamoko Ture signing. If he has a reaction as your second listen on locked on sports, Atlanta hitting hard and check out locked on NFL to get the latest scoops on all the stories involving the other 31 NFL teams is all part of the locked on podcast network, your team, every day.